0: Isaiah chapter 54, verses 1 through 10. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear. For you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced. For you will not be put to shame for you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your Maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth, for the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife, When you were refused, says your God. For a mere moment, I have forsaken you. But with great mercies, I will gather you. With a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. And all God's people said, Amen. Our Lord, we want to. Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. We are limited in our time this morning, so I'm not sure that I'm going to get through the entire gigantic chunk I had set out. (laughs) But we're going to begin in Galatians 4, 8. I'm going to be... Begin by reading through verse 20. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not God's. Let me stop right here. Paul had gone to the region of Galatia, which is in the northern part of modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor. It's not right on the Black Sea. It's just short of that. He had gone there because he had a problem with his vision and God was not answering his prayer for healing. Well, God often does not answer our prayers for an immediate deliverance because he's got another purpose in mind, and he's using our problem to actually direct our, our path. And so Paul went to that region, Galatia, why? Because they, there was an area known for a cure for his, eye, his problem with his vision. A naturopathic cure. So he went to that region seeking that cure. And while he was there, naturally, he did his apostolic work and began and was speaking the gospel to people, various people groups. And many, many people had come to Christ. There are a number of congregations there in that province that he's writing back to. He has left that province. He's now writing back to them because they've been invaded by. Judaizing Christians. Now, we don't know that they were actually Christians, or they were just Jews coming in trying to take over these congregations, or if they were people who professed faith in Christ, but demanded an orientation to the law. that was actually contrary to the new covenant. And so they've come in, and they haven't come in just as servants, you know, with real pure hearts. No, they've come in with the desire that these people would bow the knee to them. Paul's going to state that very clearly in this passage. They are people that want the admiration of these Gentiles. You people really need to be admiring us, fellows. By the way, that is Paul's own cultural background. He was a Pharisee. He was one of those Jews who actually was admired. Most of the people in the Jewish culture admired the Pharisees. That was the big motivation of the Pharisees. They wanted the admiration of the people. That was what motivated them. That was Paul's own lifestyle. Until he got face-planted in the dirt by Jesus outside the gates of Damascus. Now, God had already been doing an invisible work in him before that event such that when that event happened, he authentically repented and allowed Jesus in his mercy and grace and love to embrace him, and he got transformed in his orientation. Of all the apostles, nobody underwent a greater transformation than this fellow. Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul. Enormous transformation from this Pharisaical Jew to, a, to the Apostle, to the Gentiles. That is a huge change in outlook and spirit in this man. He went to the Galatians, these Gentiles. He's was used mightily by the Lord Jesus Christ to establish several congregations, but they've now been invaded upon his having left by people who want the admiration of the Galatians. They want these Galatian followers of Jesus to bow the knee to them. Paul's going to be very straight from the shoulder about that. They want you to submit to them. And... That's not what Jesus called us to. He called us to bow the knee to him, to the authentic, true, and living God, not to one another. We are, in fact, to be servants of one another. Servants of one another. The Lord Jesus Christ is God the Son become flesh for the very purpose of being our servant. When he went to the cross, it was to pace the penalty for our sin that we never could pay, even an eternity in the lake of fire would not be enough, And but he accomplished it for us. He came as a servant, and he calls on us to join him as a servant to other people. When, Then, indeed, when I came to you when you did not know God, You serve those which by nature are not God's. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, you came to authentic faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You bowed the knee to him. Not me. You bowed the knee to him. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire to again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. The format that the Judaizers are trying to pull them to is very much like the pagan format. You keep these, if you're going to serve the pagan gods, they have their rules, they have their celebrations, they have their feasts, they have their, thing, their hoops that you have to jump through. Well, here, are the Judaizing, perhaps Christians, saying, here are our hoops that you have to jump through. That isn't what the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is like. Now, did God give them a format in Leviticus of how they ought to worship him in a way that isn't offensive to him? Yes, he did. But the Pharisaical Christians the Pharisaical oriented people don't want the, they're not actually seeking people who bow the knee to their God. They're actually seeking people who bow the knee to them. That's their motivation. And Paul is very forthright about that. But you are, you're being drawn back to the same kind of orientation that you got pulled away from by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. By the way, one of the things that we need to be very cautious about, we need to be disciplined in our walk with the Lord. It really helps to be disciplined. Be in the Word every day. Be in the Word every day. But don't do it just as a checklist. Don't do, okay, Lord, see, I've I've, I've checked off every box today. See you later. No! No! You are to walk authentically with God. Yes, you are to do those disciplines for your own sake. Do you sit? Why do we? Why do we eat food? Well, it does taste good, but the principal reason is we need the nutrition. We need the benefit of those of the minerals and the vitamins and the and the that food. We need that benefit. The fact that God made that stuff taste good. Thank you, Lord. We need that benefit, but do we turn around and say, okay, Lord, I've checked that box off. I ate the food you gave. No. You receive the benefit, but the temptation of all human beings in religion, what does religion mean? It means here's a formula. Check off all these boxes, and then no matter how long the list or short the list, Once I've checked off the boxes, now I can go do what I want. (laughs) That's not a disciple. A disciple is a 24 hours a day, seven days a week, servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, what is the benefit of being a servant? You are serving God, but, oh, look at that. I am standing shoulder to shoulder. I'm in fellowship with the Creator God. I am fellowship with the Redeemer who loved me so much that He came. God the Father sent the Son. God the Son voluntarily came, paid sins penalty for me, and He's inviting me to have fellowship with Him? I'll do that. It's not a checklist. It's the great pleasure the great healing, the great comfort that comes from being in his presence all day, every day. No matter what's going on at that moment in my life, I am with him. Don't go back to the former format when you were worshiping the pagan gods or thinking you're worshiping the God of Abraham, where I'm just checking off the boxes and now I can go do what I want. No. I'm afraid lest I've labored for you in vain. Did I waste my time? I thought I had drawn you into an authentic relationship with the true and living God who is good and merciful. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. Paul was transformed by the intervention of God from being a person demanding attention and adoration to setting that all aside and become a, becoming a foot washer, a foot washer, a servant, a servant. Again, that most shocking thing ever, I would dare say, ever in the experience of the apostles with the Lord Jesus is at the, in the Last Supper when he actually laid aside his beautiful garment, wrapped himself with a towel, and began to wash their feet. They were shock into, shocked into stubborn silence until he got to Peter. Well, you're not going to wash my feet. Stop shaming yourself. No. If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. I must be your servant. We are to be servants of one another, not demanding the adoration of one another. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. I set aside all of the things of the Jewish culture that had nothing to do with God in order to become like you so that I wouldn't have to be talking about the nonsense stuff. I could talk to you about Jesus alone. I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. And, of course, what had the accusers, the Judaizing Christians, oh, of course, you're going to offend Paul. Paul's saying, You're not offending me, you're offending God. I came to you as a servant. I'm still your servant even as I'm writing this letter. I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of physical infirmity I preached the gospel to you at the first. That's why I came to you. My eyesight problem and my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject. You didn't say, oh, get away from me. Get away from me because of my eye No, you did not reject me. But you received me as an angel, a messenger of God. Even as Christ Jesus. I spoke to you about Christ and you heard my message. You received me even as Christ Jesus. Why? Because in fact they were receiving Christ Jesus. He was represented among them by Paul, but Jesus was present with Paul to be received. They became authentic disciples, not of Paul, but of Jesus. I'm afraid for you. Lest I have labored for you in vain, brethren, I urge you to become like me, and as I, even as I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first and my trial which was in my flesh you did not despise or reject but you received me as an angel of god even as christ jesus what then was the blessing you enjoyed for i bear witness for i bear you witness that if possible what was the level of joy they experienced when they heard and understood and embraced the gospel or were embraced back by the Lord Jesus Christ. They experienced outrageous joy, so much so that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. You would have sacrificed your own vision to help me so heartily did you embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. If possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I, therefore, become your enemy because I tell you the truth? No, I came to you with the truth. You gladly embraced it and allowed it to embrace you back. Have I suddenly become your enemy? No, I'm delivering you from another form of slavery. Now, it's got a lot of the same traits, they zealously court you, those who have come among you, they are zealously courting you, but for no good. yes, they want to exclude you, that you may be zealous for them. they want to tell oh you know you're you know we're the first class christians uh we're the first class citizens of the kingdom you'll be you'll be citizens, but you'll be second class citizens. You need to always understand we we're 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 uh a level above you, that you can never actually step into this level. It's all ego on their part. They're self-worshippers who demand your worship. They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you, separate you from them, that you may be zealous for them. But it is good to be zealous in a good thing. Always nothing wrong with zeal. As long as it's after something this good, it is good to be zealous for a good thing always, and not only when I am present with you. When I left you, you were still zealous for the Lord Jesus Christ. My little children, for whom I labor and birth again. You know, when I came to you, it's like a birthing process, there's some work of service that needs to be done. I need, I needed to reach out to you. I did this. The, I labored to bring you to birth in the kingdom. My little children for whom I labored in birth again until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be present with you now and change my tone. For I have doubts about you. Did I waste my time with you? I have doubts about you. After going through all of this enterprise and work, to be useful to God, to shepherd you into the kingdom. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law. They had formerly been under a pagan law. Now they're going to be under a different law. By the way, the Pharisaicals, pharisaical people, they actually created more laws than you found in Leviticus. They had all kinds of extra stuff that would separate them from the common, even the common Jew. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Oh, this is a lesson they haven't actually communicated to you. Let me help you out here. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman, Ishmael, was born according to the flesh. What does that mean? Abraham and Sarah, you know, God has promised that we're going to have a child, but Abraham, you're in your 90s. I'm in my late 80s. If it was going to happen, it would have happened. We need to help God out here. Don't (laughs) try to help God out when you think he's not going to get the job done that he promised. No, no. And so what to? Oh, you need to go into my maid, my handmaid here, Hagar, and produce a child for me. And that was part of the culture, by the way. That was part of the culture. And so he did, and the, Ishmael was the son born. Abraham was the father, but Hagar was the mother. And of course, as soon as Ishmael was born, Hagar is just like, what's? How is their relationship gone? Going to be with Sarah. Suddenly Sarah is disdained by her. (laughs) But he who was born, okay, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. Abraham and Sarah's human effort. And he of the free woman through promise. There was no explanation for the birth of Isaac except that God was the promise-keeping God. Abraham was 100 years old, and Sarah was 91 years old when Isaac was born. He was an absolute, 100% provable miracle baby. And I just love the fact that this is so... God's sense of humor, pun, 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 Isaac, the real Hebrew pronunciation is Yitzhak, which means laughter. It's Hebrew for yuck, yuck, yuck. (laughs) Hardy, har, har. That was his name because God did not want them ever to forget that he was a miracle baby. And when God came to Abraham and said, your wife in in one year is going to have a baby, hardy, har, har, Sarah's in the tent overhearing, not gonna happen. Hardy, har har. Oh, Sarah, did you laugh? Oh no, I didn't laugh. Yes, you did. And you're gonna name your son Yitzhak Laughter. Except that when you give birth to him, you won't be laughing laughing in doubt. You'll be laughing in joy. In joy. Yitzhak. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one of, by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, according to human and, uh, non-wisdom and effort, and he of the fr- free woman through promise. Which things are symbolic? For those are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which was, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai. She's representative, represents Mount Sinai in Arabia. By the way, where did Hagar and Ishmael end up going when they were sent out of Abraham and Sarah's household? They went to Arabia. Ishmael is the father of the Arabian people. Mount Sinai is in Arabia, northwest Arabia. Mount Sinai is symbolic of Ishmael and Hagar. And that's where the old covenant, the law of Moses came from. And what is the law of Moses? Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this and you will have life. And Then they couldn't do it, couldn't do it, couldn't do it, couldn't do it. The Ten Commandments is a diagnostic tool designed to show them their desperate need so they will run to the God of mercy. That's exactly what God says through the prophet Jeremiah and Jeremiah 31 31. Say that with me, Jeremiah 31 31. Jeremiah 31 31. I don't want you to forget it. That's why I'm saying. Jeremiah the new covenant. God says. I'm saying this so you can repeat it to other people, okay? God says, I'm going to make a new covenant with you. Not like the covenant I made with you on Mount Sinai, which you shattered in every conceivable way. If there was a way of breaking that covenant, if there was a way of disobeying me, you found it and you did it. I'm going to make a new covenant with you. That one didn't work. Now, God knew it wouldn't work. He already had the covenant of grace set in place, but he's reinforcing that concept in Jeremiah 30. I'm going to make a new covenant, a new contract with you. I will, I will, I will. Your sins and iniquities, remember no more. It's all on me, it's all on me, it's all on me. All you have to do is receive the benefit. All of it is accomplished by me. I will your sins and iniquities remember no more. He was of the bondwoman, was born according to the flesh, and he had the free woman through promise. You, if you're authentically in the kingdom, you are a child of promise. You were in the kingdom because of God keeping his promise. When you said, May I please have that benefit that you promised? Yes, you may. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to, Mod, to Jerusalem of Paul's day. The Jerusalem of Paul's day was the core of the Of the law keepers. That's where the law keepers are. That's where the Pharisees were housed. That's where the. And what did the Jewish leadership say to Pilate when he said, I'm washing my hands of the blood of this just man? They said, Let his blood be on us and on our children. That was the Jerusalem of Paul's day. They had actually called judgment down. The Jewish religious leaderships called judgment down on themselves, let his blood be on us and on our children. That's the Jerusalem of today, as Paul is saying as I'm writing this letter. The place where he had lived for several years as a Pharisee. This, for this Hagar's Mount Sinai in Arabian corresponds to Jerusalem that now is, as I'm writing this letter, and is in bondage with her children, they are still under the bondage of sin. Why? Because they, as a people group, rejected the work of the Redeemer. Now, not all of them did. Obviously, Saul of Tarsus, all of the apostles, all Jews. For this Hagar's Mount Sinai in Arabia, and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. The Jerusalem on earth rejected the Messiah. The Jerusalem above, heavens where God's actual throne is, the Jerusalem that is above sent the Deliverer, sent the Deliverer. The Jerusalem above is free. It grants us freedom, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Earlier we read from Isaiah 54. That's where that passage is found. The peep, there is no explanation for our being welcomed by God except his aggressive mercy. The mercy from the God who is speaking to us from the heavenly temple, he grants us his mercy and he draws us into his embrace. And he does for us what we could never do for ourselves. No matter how religious we were, no matter what we did, it would never happen. Be enough. He got it done for us. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. If you're in the kingdom, why are you in the kingdom? Because of the aggressive mercy of the promise-keeping God. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. And Ishmael mocked Isaac. And that's when Sarah said, Enough is enough, Abraham. They're out of here. And that's when they were sent out of the camp. But as he who is born according to the flesh, then persecuted, mocked him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. That's exactly what you Galatians are experiencing. Nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the children of the free, son of the free woman. So, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. We have been welcomed. We are all miracle children, just as Isaac was. John chapter 3, Nicodemus, Mr. Pharisee, Mr. Member of the Sanhedrin, the Rabbi of Israel, you must be born from above. It is heaven's initiative, heaven's initiative. And we, folks, wouldn't you rather have the security (laughs) of knowing it was God who reached down and, and embraced me? It wasn't me embracing him. It was his embracing me that brought me into his kingdom. I embraced him back. That was my... I, I, my embrace back was the faith that I embraced him with after he had embraced me. And one of the things I love about what our brother is teaching on Wednesday nights, that God is just so, it is his initiative that makes it all happen. Can we be thankful this is a God of mercy, grace, love, aggressive, aggressive, aggressive love? Yes, that's why we're in the kingdom. As we come to the Lord's table...